Uh, we are going to be in John chapter 12. Preached a couple times out of John chapter 11. I actually had intentions of preaching one more sermon out of John 11, uh, but the Lord did not. I studied and I had all my notes and I was prepared uh, to write that sermon and the Lord changed uh, my mind, not his. For just a few moments, I want to talk about how worship changes the atmosphere. How worship changes the atmosphere. John 12, 1 through 11 from the NIV. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Can you say that? In Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with perfume. The fragrance of that. Can you say that with me? And the house was filled with the fragrance. So Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Now, you don't have to do this, but I'm asking if you would do this. If you would take just a little bit of this anointing oil and put it on your forehead. But there is a point to this that I want each one of us to understand. This particular anointing oil has the fragrance of frankincense and myrrh. I believe as we begin to anoint ourselves that there will be a fragrance that will fill this room. Now I did this one time many years ago and I had a bottle of cologne and I just kept spraying it as I was preaching. But I noticed, as I, and, I, and I went back to that service, and I looked at that, and people began to cough uh, because it was overwhelming. But what I want you to know is that you carry a fragrance with you. All of us do. And there is a fragrance of worship that we'll get to uh, as we talk about this. Look at the scene. Lazarus has been raised from the dead. We preached about that a couple of times. And Jesus 
uh, is uh, being uh, welcomed into Bethany, which is where this particular scripture takes place. And they are welcoming him, and it is just six days before the Passover, whenever he will be uh, taken and, and he will be crucified and all those things that will happen to him. But now they are honoring Jesus. And Lazarus is there, and Mary and Martha are there. There are many people in Bethany, just two miles from Jerusalem. Yeah. And they're gathered together to have dinner in Jesus' honor. To bring honor to Jesus. You see, I believe that this location was picked out to showcase how amazing Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. In this very town, I can imagine as the people began to show up uh, for this special dinner, that there was whispers and there was talking. Did you know that uh, Jesus actually raised Lazarus from the dead here in this place? Uh, do you know that Lazarus is here as living proof? He's sitting at the table with Jesus. They come to honor Jesus. And as I begin to look at this, there is a recognition that every Sunday morning that we come to honor Jesus. We come to, uh, together in a, what we call a church service and we honor him and we worship him together. So this morning, look at your neighbor and say, we come to honor Jesus. You see, this setting is not that much different. We come to listen to Jesus, to listen to his word, to celebrate and to fellowship and to give him the honor that he is due. And that is the reason why we come to church this morning, to honor him and to lift up his name and to praise him for what he has done. Today I want to look about this subject of worship, Martha, Lazarus, and Mary's worship. First, let me quantify this, is that most of the time when this is preached, the center is upon Mary because it's such an amazing story. But what I want each one of us to see is that both Martha and Lazarus and Mary worshipped and honored Jesus. And in all that they did, they worshipped and honored him. And your worship, hear me, does not is at the dinner and she is honoring Jesus. She's loving on him. How is she doing that? She's serving. 
Did you know that serving others and serving the Lord that you are actually worshiping Him when you do that? Serving is her love language. She's doting upon Jesus by fixing food, by getting him something to drink, by waiting on those who are around. She is loving on him and worshiping him. Some of you may be able to associate with this. Is your service, is your language of love serving one another and serving the Lord? I want you to know that it's a form of worship. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, part of worshiping the Lord is serving, doing good works. That's why, can I tell you that when we uh, host block parties and we put on vacation Bible schools and we have Easter extravaganzas, which we have one coming up, that we, and, and serving people at Christmas in Appalachia, that we are worshiping the Lord in doing that. We're serving Him. You see, save people, serve people. It's a part of the way we worship. All of us are called to serve one another, to serve our community. You see, uh, sometimes we get it all wrong. Sometimes pastors say, I'm pastoring my church. No, you're pastoring the community and you are helping me in doing that. I serve in serving in this community. So we, when we serve, we are worshiping. Titus 2.14 says, Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. Hear this. Zealous of good works. You see, it ought to excite us. It ought to make us uh, excited and eager and bold to do good works for the Lord. Because when you consider all that he has done for you, he cannot ask too much of me. He is worthy for me to serve him and to serve others. And so serving is a part of the way that we worship and it emits a fragrance unto the Lord. And sometimes people can spiritually pick up upon that scent. As we, are, as we serve the Lord and not just serve people, but serve him and serving others. Now look at Lazarus' worship. Lazarus was reclining at the table. That's what it says. No, he was not taking a, a nap after having eaten too much. For that was the custom was that they would lay on their side and they would pick food up from the table and, and they would uh, there very intimately and very close to one another and they fellowship with one another. And here was Lazarus, the one who Jesus had raised from the dead. And he said, I want to be right here with him. I is just simply reclining with Jesus. Some of the best times I ever had is just sitting still and thinking about what he's done for me. 
How good is that to me? It's good to me. Right? The blessings of the Lord. So sometimes the most important thing we can do is just simply lay back into his presence. Fellowship with him. And that might be your favorite kind of worship. You see, the Lord just wants us to spend some time with him, to reserve some time for him, to take out a time and dwell upon what he's done for us, to savor in his presence. In our microwave generation, we don't really savor much of anything. To savor something means you've got to take a bite of it and go, It's got some salt in it, some pepper. It's got some uh, uh, red pepper flakes in it. It it is delicious. Oh, it's so good. Just mm, taste that. How does the Bible say? Taste and see that the Lord, the Lord, He is good. And we savor in the presence of the Lord and we worship Him and we honor Him and we uh, give all that we have unto Him. In our fast-paced world, we need to learn again to savor in the presence of the Lord. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Here's Lazarus. Raised from the dead. He could have started his own ministry. He could have been out preaching, raising funds for the Lazarus ministry. But no, he said, I want to be with Jesus. I want to spend some time with my master. I want people to See, that's the benefit of savoring in his presence. People will know that you have been with Jesus. Now, I promise you, because I've done this before, I've anointed myself with oil, and a little, and you'll think that, that, that has gone away. But you'll wipe your forehead, and that fragrance will come back. Yeah. You see... Is that fragrance of worship that changes the atmosphere. When you begin to worship the Lord in serving Him and spending time with Him, time in His Word, uh, uh, it is uh, overwhelming sometimes uh, uh, how much we feel and, and see and, and experience the presence of the Lord. See, so one of the greatest testimonies, one of the greatest praises that you can give is for people to notice that you have been with Jesus. Lazarus' life was a testimony, a praise to Jesus. People were coming to faith in Jesus because of Lazarus' life and because of his death. Uh, Can I ask us this morning, are people coming to Jesus because of our life? So you, you may never be able to sing to play an instrument, to preach or teach, that might not be the calling on your life. 
but your life can be a testimony for Jesus. Lazarus' life was irresistible to people. They wanted to see this man who had been dead four days. They wanted to see who Jesus had raised back to life. Uh, but what I want you to understand is that you too have been raised back to life and you have a testimony. He has raised you from sin. He has raised you from the old man. And behold, now all things are new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And your testimony is irresistible to the world. My testimony? Yes. I used to be somebody, but I'm a different person now. That'll always get somebody's attention. And your life is a testimony, a praise of who he is and what he's done. Now look at Mary's worship. Mary's worship was expensive. She poured out this oil, this nard that she had been saving for probably all of her life. A year's worth of wages. True worship will cost you something. It is expensive because it requires of you to give up yourself back to the Lord. The worship was extravagant. Judas, that old conniver, that thief, he didn't like Mary's worship. I promise you there are going to be some people who don't like your extravagant, expensive worship. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to do it anyway. You see, worship is uh, its extravagant. It is expensive. Uh, and you don't know the cost of what, what it uh, takes for me to worship the Lord. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the price that I have paid in order to give him all of the glory and all of the honor. You see, each one of us it is a sacrifice of praise. I don't know what you've been through, but I know sometimes it's a sacrifice to simply say, Lord, you've been so good to me. Even in the midst of the trial and the darkness, to say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. You are good, and there is no other word to describe you than good. I bless your holy name. I magnify you, God. You are worthy of all that I have to give unto you, Lord. I worship you, and I honor you. Can we just, just take a moment uh, just to praise, great Lord? We, we just want to thank you, God. You've been good to us, Lord. you blessed us, God. We honor you this morning. You alone are worthy. You are good. You are magnificent. You are powerful. Lord, we love you. See, it was expensive, but Mary thought that Jesus was worth it. How many would say he's worth it this morning? You see, your worship is personal. When I go back and I look at this story, she didn't hand the bottle to somebody else. She broke it. She poured out what was inside of it. She was the one who owned it. She gave it to the Lord. And God, all God really asked of us is that we be broken and have a contrite heart before him. An intimate act of worship. Some thought it was fanatical. What does it mean to be broken? Our will is turned back from ourself to the Lord. 
But worship is a function of your will. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. He said, I, I will give unto him praise and glory and honor. I will. You see, worship is a function of your will. Would you say with me, I will bless the Lord. I will praise him. He's worthy of it all. See, worship changes the atmosphere. No one in that room could deny that they had been in the presence of Jesus. For the smell of that oil would have permeated their clothes. I imagine that Judas was terribly upset. I believe some of them splashed over onto his robe. Sermon right, wouldn't it? And he could not escape that aroma of worship. Worship changes your house. Hear this. It changes your home. Worship should not just be done in this house, but also in your house. Because it's going to change the atmosphere. And people who come in are going to know that you've been with Jesus. People will feel the peace of God in your house. When we worship the Lord together, people will be drawn to Jesus.